Well, welcome again to Cuyahoga Valley Church. We're so glad that you're all here. And again, if you are a guest, man, we hope that you have just an encouraging time with us. And if you're viewing online, thanks for tuning in. And we hope that uh, this morning will be a blessing to you as well. It is that time. It is Christmas time. It is the Advent. It's when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, it's a time when we have a lot of different ways of celebrating the birth of Christ. We just have unique sights and sounds and smells and tastes and traditions that uh, go along as we celebrate uh, the one who came. One of my personal favorites of, of all the things that take place around Christmas, I just really like Christmas lights. Um, I'm just, I, I just love driving around and looking at the lights. There'll be times when I'm driving home and I'll, I'll just go, huh, I wonder if there's any lights on this street. And I'll drive down and, and uh, just see if there's any lights. Some of you are nodding your head, so you're also Christmas light junkies. Um, and I, I love doing that. I love putting lights up on my house. Uh, some of my neighbors probably think I'm crazy as I'm scaling the walls and trying to put stuff on my roof and, and all that craziness. And uh, if, if I don't show up some Sunday, it's probably because I was trying to hang something too high and I didn't make it, you know? Um, so so I, just, I, just, I just love that. And we do have a lot of great traditions in celebrating the birth of Christ. And I think the Christmas lights is a unique tradition because what, what better way to celebrate the one who came as a light to the world than to just deck our houses and our yards and our buildings with, with light. I think it's just a neat, phenomenal uh, metaphor as well. But as we enter this holiday season and we th- start thinking about traditions and the things that we typically do, it's very easy to exclusively think about how we want to celebrate Christmas here in America. You know, what, what, what's your tradition? What's your family planning? What's your to-do list look like? What's all this stuff that has to be done? And, and we really uh, think very narrow-minded a lot of times about the Christmas season. And we just have to be uh, reminded that Jesus came for everybody. Uh, Christmas is not an American holiday. <laughs> it's a universal holiday. There are followers of Christ all over this globe that celebrate the birth of Christ. And each one with some similar ways uh, that we do and some with very unique ways than we do. But it's a time to remember that uh, Christmas is something that is celebrated around the world and that Jesus came for all people. He came for every nation and his arrival illuminates the darkness in our world. And the birth of Christ brings joy and good news to all mankind. He truly is the light of the world. And that's who we celebrate during the season. And so because of this uh, understanding, we're going to try to take the next few weeks and be a little more intentional about thinking about how Christmas is celebrated around the world. How do our brothers and sisters of Christ celebrate in other places? What's taking, places, uh, what's taking place in other countries around the world? So we don't get just so narrow-minded about Christmas as what we think it's supposed to be and how we're supposed to express it. And so obviously we can't uh, take the time to think about every country and, and celebrate every country and what takes place in every country. So we've narrowed it down as a church. And we're basically going to be focusing on three international vibes over the next few weeks. The first one's going to be Eastern Europe specifically Ukraine. The following week, we're going to be uh, looking at Latin America, specifically uh, El Salvador and Mexico. And then the week after that, we're going to be looking at Africa, specifically uh, South Sudan and Ghana. Now, if you've been here at CVC for a while, all of those countries ring a bell. Because what the criteria that we used to narrow our focus are places that we have missionaries or places that we're connected in partnership with missional efforts. And so uh, that's how we've selected the different nations, and, and that's going to be uh, an exciting way to engage. And we'll, we'll share more over the weeks to come about what we're going to be doing with that. Now, today's emphasis is going to be Ukraine. <clears throat> and obviously, 
if you've been looking at the headlines over the last year plus, um, we've seen a lot going on with Ukraine. And all the, the war and the tensions with you know, Ukraine, Russia, those who call themselves the separatists, and all those things that are taking place, we know that Ukraine's had a tough year. And we're thankful that we have missionaries that we know in Ukraine. And so if you're new to CVC, uh, we have this couple named Emery and Clara Laszlo, and they live in the southern western part of Ukraine, and they do missions work with the people called the Roma people. And they're a, a gypsy people. There's a lot of poverty there, and they really help these folks out a lot. And so we're grateful that we have them there. And even though they're kind of far from the actual fighting in Ukraine, the repercussions of what has taken place there have been felt when they're ministering, uh, not just emotionally, not just spiritually, but also economically. And so uh, we're grateful to have missionaries in Ukraine. We also know that in the Cleveland area, we have a large uh, Ukrainian culture. And maybe some of you perhaps here even have Ukrainian heritage. We also have a church plant uh, that we've supported and launched that uh, is, is Ukrainian, Mercy Hill over in Parma Heights. In fact, Pastor Rick was just there teaching a couple weeks ago. And so we definitely have some touch points with Ukraine and we're glad to think about them during this Christmas season. Now, a couple unique things uh, that might be just fun facts for you as you think about Ukraine and how they celebrate Christmas. One is they don't traditionally celebrate it on the 25th. Uh, Christmas for them will fall on January 7th because they go by the Julian calendar rather than the Gregorian calendar. So their, their, their rhythm is a little different. Also, uh, the very first Christmas song I think I heard Back in October 15th or whenever it was, they started playing Christmas songs, you know. I was driving going, really? Christmas song right now? Uh, but it was Carol of the Bells. You know, that's kind of one of the, I think that's, that must be like, you, you can't, that, that's the kickoff song, I think, to Christmas. It's Carol of the Bells. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah, I know, keep my day job, I get it. Um, that song originates from Ukraine. I didn't know that. That's really cool. And so Carol of the Bells is a, is a unique contribution that Ukraine has brought to uh, the music of Christmas. But as we teach through this series, Light of the World, and as we talk about Ukraine today, we're going to be in the Bible looking at uh, John chapter 1. And so I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 1. And to help us get started today, I've invited a, Ukrainian, a new Ukrainian friend named Andriy to come up here and just share for a few minutes a little bit about Ukraine. I'm not Ukrainian, uh, never been to Ukraine, um, and so there's some insights that I could never give, but yet it'd be so great to hear from an individual who does understand the culture a little bit. So I'm going to invite Andriy to come up and join me, and he's going to share a little bit about Christmas in Ukraine. So Andriy, thank you very much for being here. We appreciate that. Uh, why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself and, and some of the things you had shared even in the first service related to the Ukraine and Christmas. It was just very insightful. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, Pastor Chad told me that uh, you normally don't let go of the microphone because you might not ever get it back. So, but I assured him he won't have a problem with that. Um, I'm a Ukrainian born in Philadelphia, oddly enough. If you look at our people, we're scattered all over the world. Think um, Ireland from the British oppression and India and so on and so forth. So in my particular home, my wife is a Ukrainian born in Germany to refugee parents. I'm born in Philadelphia to refugee parents. My wife's good friend is born in England to refugee parents and every country under the planet. In grade school, that's what it was like. This kid's from Venezuela, this kid's from Argentina, this kid's from Canada, Britain, Belgium, wherever, common language Ukrainian. Uh, we grew up 
not speaking English till we went to grade school. Then we went to Ukrainian grade school. Um, it got interesting. Short of it, in my case, my parents had sponsors to come to the States. My maternal grandfather was a priest. They were brought over first to prepare for the refugees that were coming. So, born in Philadelphia. Um, we, there was no secular anything as far as the religious holidays. That's the one thing Pastor Chad asked today, and I said, the faith and the national stuff was woven in together totally. There were no presents, no Santa Claus on Christmas in our home, and it isn't to this day. St. Nicholas came on the Feast of St. Nicholas, which was yesterday on the secular calendar, and 19th on the Orthodox calendar, on the Julian one. And Zachary, I have it on good authority that he's coming, so be good. My nephew's back there. Um, short of it all, Ukraine's been oppressed for about 400 years. It's been colonized, divided, split up, etc. The stuff you've been seeing in the news is just the latest wave of that. The difference is, and I'll keep this short, is that this time the people rose up again. Millions of them on the street. Media's downplaying this. All the clergy got together. They formed a committee, Orthodox, Catholic, Lutheran, Protestant, Baptists, and others, and they decided to set up army tents in the protest area to create prayer coves. 24-7, this stuff has and is being manned by clergy, monks, priests. You've seen the clergy on the barricades standing there against the, the Russian forces, etc. People are coming by droves. They're chanting slaves no more. Not so much physical shackles, yes, but spiritual ones. One little incident to show you what's going on is the whole Crimea incident. A few, what, two months ago, Russian Cossack Orthodox troops came into Ukrainian church, started randomly beating people during their gathering, during prayer. Pregnant woman was nearly beaten to death, a young girl with cerebral palsy, etc. So what this is all about is an uprising for freedom. So slaves no more, spiritual slaves especially. So please pray for Ukraine. Pray that the hearts be softened. That's the whole thing for all our holidays. Every greeting, it wasn't, oh, hi, how are you? It was glory to Jesus Christ when people would greet each other as a kid in the neighborhood and, and so on and so forth. And that's what the people in droves by the millions are returning to at lightning speed. I mean, you almost see this panic in the world right now, don't you? Well, uh, speaking of greetings, uh, there is a traditional Christmas greeting that's Ukrainian. I thought that'd be great to teach us. Maybe we can try to say it. So we can say it for us, and then we can try, try it on afterwards. So. All right. Here, here's one translation. So, Christos um, Narodzyitsa, which means Christ is born, literally is being born at this very moment. All 
Christian greetings in Ukrainian are always in the present tense. It's not once upon a time. It's an urgency of right now in your heart. Christ is born, Christ is risen for Easter, and so on and so forth. And uh, I think Pastor Chad wants you to do a repeat after me. Let's try on this morning. So, Christos. Christos. Narodzietsa. I know, it's a mouthful. And there's a response. So that's Christ is uh, born. And the response would be one of an urgent command. Glorify him. So you come up to somebody and you say, and the response would be, glorify him. You know, celebrate him in your heart right now. It's happening as we speak at any given moment. That's great. Thank you for that. Well, uh, we talked about being in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and I thought it'd just be neat to hear that passage read in Ukrainian, and so uh, you guys don't have to repeat that out loud, um, but if you can read John chapter 1 from the Gospel of John for us, 1 through 5, you guys are welcome to follow along uh, reading on the screens or in your Bibles. Uh, we'll turn to the passage that we'll be teaching from this morning. Thank you so much, Andri. Okay. So, a reading from the Gospel of St. John. Spokonviku bolo slovo, i slovo bolo z Bohom, i slovo bolo Boh. Slovo bolo z Bohom spokonviku, vse bolo stvorene čez njoho, i ništo ne bolo stvorene bez njoho. V njomu bolo žitja, i vno bolo svitlom tja ljudej. Svitlo saje v temrjevi, i temrjeva ne stolala svitla. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for sharing. You guys give him Thank a hand you. for sharing. Thank you very much. Would you guys pray with me? God, thank you that you're a God of all the nations, of all the people, of all tribes, of all tongues. God, forgive us for the times that we think strictly of just ourselves, strictly of just our nation. God, you are the God of the universe and you're God of this world. And so we thank you that we can celebrate the birth of Christ, an event that changed the world. Not just one people group, not just one country, but the world. And so, Lord, as we gather around your word, as we gather around the celebration of the birth of the Savior, the one who came to save us from our sins, we honor you, we acknowledge you, we seek you with all of our hearts. So, God, be in our midst today as we uh, learn. And Holy Spirit, may you be our instructor. We ask in Jesus' name. We all said together. Amen. Look again with me at John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. We're going to just kind of cruise through that a little bit today. I'm going to really unpack it for us a little bit as we move through. Uh, verses 1 through 2, what, what Andre just read. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And as we look at that, it says, in the beginning was the Word. That means from before our time, from before time, from eternity past was the word. In the original uh, language of the scriptures here, the Greek, that is the word logos. Everybody said logos. logos. That's the Greek word for word, okay? And so in the beginning was the logos. Logos means the embodiment of idea, the embodiment of thought and essence. So it's not merely just a word, but it encompasses so much more. And so in the beginning was the logos, was the word, and the word was with God, this means perfect fellowship, perfect union, perfect communion. Not only was the word Logos with God, but we see here that Logos, the word, 
is God. This is, this is Trinitarian language here. This is the mysterious complexity that there's one God, yet he chooses to exist in three distinctive persons, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the Logos is one of them, each completely God, but yet distinct from one another. And so in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is actually God. And not only that, we see that, uh, that he was there with him from the beginning. That means the one who existed from the beginning never had a beginning. That's just a mind blower, right? I mean, that'll just flip breakers right there in your, in your head because we don't get that. How is it one God, just three persons? You know, where did God come from? Well, he's always been there. We're going, we don't get it. But, but we're just, we're instructed to believe. You look at all the other options out there in, in theology and ideology and you go, this, it actually makes a lot more sense than some of the other things that are presented for us to, to, to believe in. And, and, and God has made his truth known. And so in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was with God from the beginning. So there's this perfect union, there's this perfect connection, and there's this perfection all there. And not only was He there, but He was also Creator. When you look at verse 3, it says, All things were made through Him. And without Him, this Logos, this Word, was not anything made that was made. The Word, the Logos, was not created. He was creator. Everything, the cosmos, the laws of the universe, the smallest microscopic life form to the largest beasts that swim, on this, swim in the sea or walk on uh, the, this earth, God's premier creation, mankind, all were made by the word. So we see that the word has great significance, but the word has a name. And we're given clues to that as we keep moving through John. In fact, in John 1, 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And so the word, the Logos, became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, we know there's only one who is incarnated. And in John 1, 17, it tells us who that was, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The word has a name, Jesus. The Logos has a name, Jesus. Jesus is the word. So when you connect the dots, in the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. All things were created by Christ. He was the agent of creation in the Godhead. And this is just rich, rich theology as we look through that. Now, the thing that's so fascinating is just as our words reveal our thoughts and our minds, I mean, we value communication. We value spoken understanding. So when we, have a you know, when we have communication, when I speak to someone, I'm revealing what's in my heart, I'm revealing what's in my mind, I'm making it known. I mean, a, kind of a newsflash here, maybe you don't know this, men typically speak less than women. I don't know if you know that. Okay? It might be new information to you. But one of the things that drives the ladies nuts is us guys can get by with less words. And there's just moments when, you know, whether it's a family relationship, spouse, or a child, you're like, the ladies just look at the men and go, would you just say something? Would you, would you speak? Would you tell me what you're thinking? And of course, we're like, oh, I don't know. You know? But um, in that moment, what's being asked for? Reveal your heart. Reveal your thoughts. Like, let me in. And so the understanding of Jesus being the word means that he is the one who's come and he's revealed the thoughts of God. He's revealed the heart of God. Jesus as the word, as Logos, is making God's heart and mind and thoughts known for us in a tangible way. And so it's such a rich, beautiful thing to understand Jesus as the word, as Logos. And what's more fascinating is to see what happens when you come into relationship with the word. Look at verse 4. 
It says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. This word, this logos, Jesus, is the life. Now, oftentimes when you're reading through the Bible and you're looking at the original Greek, the word life will be translated bios. That's where we get our word biology. It's, it strictly refers to physical life. But here, when it says that the word is life, it's not the word bios. It's the word zoe. Zoe has a much bigger, richer, deeper, more comprehensive understanding of life. It encompasses physical life, but then it catapults itself into a deeper understanding. That when you're talking about zoe, that in Christ is life, it's a physical, mental, emotional, ethical vitality. It's so much bigger, so much deeper. And this life, this zoe is in Christ. It's not just by Christ. It's not just through Christ. It's in him. So to experience this vitality, to experience this zoe, if you will, this new life that Christ offers, you have to be in Christ. It doesn't mean you have to be aware of Christ. Oh yeah, I heard about Jesus. It doesn't mean you're informed about Christ. Oh yeah, I know the, the death on the cross, resurrection, you know. You can have the right information but have no belief, right? They talk about sometimes the greatest distance is the 18 inches between your head and your heart. That you can know a lot but not know. And so to have the zoe, you have to be in Christ. You have to have relationship with him. You have to turn and have belief and trust that Jesus is God. This is what we just read. And that, he, that God came down in person and that he had a miraculous birth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross as a substitution for mankind and our sins to appease God. And that he rose from the grave victoriously to prove that he was God. That's what we call the gospel, the good news. That's all good news for us because it means that there's a way to God. There's a relationship opportunity that we can be in Christ. And when you place your faith and trust in that understanding, you become in Christ. And so there's very likely in a group this size, some of you that are sitting here, you're not in Christ. And we're just so grateful you're here because you're learning. You're, you're hearing what it takes to be in relationship with God. That, that he loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. And that's what the, the, the Christmas is all about. That's what the birth of Christ is all about, that, that you have an opportunity to be in Christ. But some of you know about Christ. Some of you know Christ, but you're not walking in him. Some of you are walking in self. Some of you are walking in the world. Some of you are walking in religion, but you're not walking in Christ. Well, how do you experience this zoe, this, this richer, deeper, vitality of life? The reason so many of you aren't experiencing the life God has intended for you is because you're not in Christ, or you're not walking in Christ. And so when we think about Christmas, we, we come back, we hit a reset to, like, we need to be in Christ. That's why he came, so that we can be in him. And here's where we get this great connect to our Christmas theme. It says, and the life, the zoe, was the light of men. Don't you love how life and light are interwoven? They're interwoven. You, you don't have one without the other. Think about photosynthesis. You need the light of the sun to have life. And Jesus is like our spiritual photosynthesis. He comes and we can have the zoe, eternal life. Physical life not only, but eternal life in relationship with him. And his coming, his miraculous birth, was God's floodlight for the world. Jesus came to be light of the world, not just light of your world. He needs to be light of your world. He needs to be light of my world, but we can't forget he's light of the world. 
All men everywhere. I love how another pastor and theologian named Matthew Henry said this. He says, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. And it was the eternal word that lit the candle. (laughs) Jesus came and lit the candle for us that we can have life and light. And it says the light of men, this that comes from life, which comes from the word, it's not just a physical light, like the kind we would turn on to see inside a room. This light that we're talking about is a spiritual light. It's designed to enlighten hearts, minds, and souls of people with truth, with understanding, with joy, with peace, with heavenly wisdom and reason, with salvation, and with new life. And Jesus knew, Jesus knew that he was the light of the world. He even said that himself. It's recorded in John 8, 12. It says, Jesus spoke saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, the birth of Christ is God's light bursting forth upon mankind and invading the darkness of the world. If, if you're sitting here today and you're in Christ, you have a relationship with Jesus. Do you remember the darkness you used to be in? And do you remember how dark it was? And you know what's so crazy about it? Sometimes you were in the darkness, but you didn't know you were in the darkness. You had a spiritual blindfold on, and you didn't understand God. And you didn't understand life. And those big questions about like, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? And why does this bad stuff happen? And what's this about? Like there was just an ignorance wrapping our mind and wrapping our spiritual eyesight and we couldn't see and we were in darkness. And remember what dominated your life when you were in darkness? Do you remember what you chased after for satisfaction? Do you remember some of the maybe even silly beliefs that you pursued or maybe some very enslaving addictions or behaviors or patterns? Like a child chasing after bubbles, hoping they can catch them, only that they pop every time they touch them. You're chasing after all these materialistic, physical, worldly dreams, and every time you caught one, if you will, it would temporarily satisfy and left you empty. Well, maybe the next bubble will be bigger and better. Well, that didn't work. Maybe the next one. Maybe the, maybe the next one. Darkness. That, that's our default state. We're born into that darkness, and, and God came and says, I'm going to turn on the lights for you. I'm going to flip on a switch and I'm going to flood your heart and your mind and your life with an understanding that it will blow you away. And here's the problem though. Whenever God turns on the lights, whenever we start to really look at the light, when we start to look at Christ, some of us like a cockroach will scurry away into the dark shadows again, right? Man, it's too bright for me. And some of us instead are drawn to the radiance of God's love. No, we just can't help ourselves. We're drawn to the Lord. See, see light exposes. And the birth of Christ, you know, when we think about the birth of Christ, it exposes our need for him. Now, the other day, I dropped something. Maybe this has happened to you. I'm sure it's happened to most of you here. I dropped something in my kitchen, and it went underneath the fridge. I'm like, okay, I got to go get it. So I reached for a little flashlight, and I got down there, and I looked under the fridge. I was like, whoa! It's like an ecosystem down there, you know? Little cars and little germs of all sorts and little dust bunnies and dust dinosaurs. They were just, you know, just, everything was craziness. I didn't even know that was there. It was because I turned the light on that I saw that stuff. <laughs> Once I saw it, I had two choices. Well, I can clean it. 
So get out there and clean that. You're like, well, no one sees it. We'll just leave it there. And then a month later, you're like, what's that smell in my house? You know? Where'd my kid go? <laughs> uh, anyone seen the dog? <laughs> Under the fridge. When you start to read the Bible, you start to pray, you start to be drawn to the light of Christ, he's going to turn on the light. And at first, there's going to be some pretty icky stuff that you're going to see and feel and sense. Mindsets, behaviors, actions, choices, mistakes made in the past. But see, the beautiful thing is when God turns on the light, he says, I want you to see that briefly because I want you to see what I'm going to clean off of you. And the birth of Christ, the death of Christ, the resurrection of Christ was so that he could come to get rid of the filth. He does all the cleaning. He doesn't say, clean up your mess. Get back in touch with me once you're all cleaned up. He doesn't do that. He says, let me clean you. This, this, this is the light of men. This is the life that comes from that. This is what we celebrate at Christmas time. And the news gets even better. Because it says in verse 5, look at it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Hey, look, we're daily reminded that we live around darkness, right? I mean, just look at the events over the last weeks and all the racial tensions that are kicking up right now. Like right now, you think about all the stuff going on with Eric Garner and Michael Brown. You even got Cleveland's own Tamir Rice and all the situations and all the protests and the injustice stuff. And all that. It's, it's darkness. And every state has it. And every nation has it. There's darkness everywhere. But you've got to remember, the birth of Christ is God's reminder that although there is darkness, it will never overcome, never overpower the light. It never will. It can't. It's not, it's not possible. God will not allow it. The darkness can encroach. The darkness, for whatever reason God has decided in his sovereignty, it can temporarily fight with the light, but it can't win. The light will always win. God's light is unquenchable. It's indestructible. It'll never be snuffed out by darkness. Light is more powerful than darkness. If you don't think that's true, think about the times that you've been in a dark room, a cave, outside where there's, if you've ever been to a place where there's no light, no starlight, no moonlight, anything, and just turn on a tiny flashlight, just a tiny little thing, what happens? That one little light illuminates the space. There's a lot more darkness in a sense, but that one little light pierces it and pushes it back. So why does God allow the darkness, right? And when we live in a broken world, we live in a fallen world, we live in a sinful world, why has God allowed that temporarily? You know, one of the things that's helped me understand it this week as I've been thinking about that, I told you I like Christmas lights. I never go look at Christmas lights during the daytime. <laughs> Ever. Why? You can't see them. You gotta go out when it's night. You gotta go out when it's dark. When it's dark, the light becomes more pronounced. You see it better. I think God allows the darkness as a backdrop to show you how beautiful his light is. We don't like that. We cry foul. We cry unfair. But in a sense, it's like, how would you know what good is if you never experienced bad? How would you know what holiness is if you've never experienced wickedness? How would you and I ever come to a place where we said, Jesus, I need you 
unless he turned on the light under our fridge and showed us what we were made of without him. So God brings that contrast of the darkness in to show our need for him. That's why we look at the birth of Christ as such a beautiful celebration of how much God loves us. He's willing to come because the one that was born was the one that was going to die. And the darkness is there, but the darkness cannot overcome the light. Christmas is a time to remember that God's light will prevail. See, you're probably one of two groups here today. You were either in the dark or you were once in the dark. Praise God for all of you that were once in the dark because you're not in the dark anymore. Because the Lagos, the word has come in and he's given you life and he's given you light. Would you ever go back to the old Jew? I mean, you could gift wrap that thing. You could, du- you could dust it off, make it look pretty and say, here's the old Jew. Do you want it back? And I bet most of you here would say, no way. Because the light has come. And the darkness of the past is the backdrop that reveals the beauty of God's light in your life now. Some of you, you're still in the dark. Praise God, because you don't have to be. Because you don't have to be stuck. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you're thinking about God, you're hearing about Jesus, and you're like, I don't know where I'm at. You know what? It's a journey. And this is a step in your journey. And this is a safe place for your journey. And maybe today will be the day that you give your life to Christ, or maybe this is one part of the journey, that decision will come later. But either way, you're not stuck in the dark. You're not trapped. Because the light has come. And so as you're thinking about that, I think the questions I want to have you go for in your personal life is, is Jesus the light of your world? Your heart, your thoughts, your actions, your pursuits. If he is, how are you helping take the light to others? We'll talk more about that next week. But we're to be light bearers. And as we think about this international focus, we think, well, what's going on with Ukraine? How how do we see the light taking place in Ukraine? And how can we participate with the light taking place in Ukraine? Well, obviously praying is huge. And we'll talk about how we can do that a little bit more, but also making a difference. Now, I just want to give you a couple tactical things that we can do, a couple tangible things that we can do to try to be the light in just that one country. You're like, what about all the other countries? Look, God just put these countries on our heart. We'll make a difference where we can when we can. And for now, God's given us uh, Ukraine as one of the places we want to focus on. You know, uh, I love what our missionaries, Emery and Clara, said when we asked them how we can pray for them. They said this. They said, please pray for peace in Ukraine. The war situation is a painful but fantastic tool in God's hand to turn the people's hearts toward God. Unemployment, misery, high inflation, and diseases are tools, and the people are hungry for God and hope for a future. Uh, do you hear the contrast in the backdrop? Kind of like what Andre was saying. Man, there's all this war and turmoil, but yet now there's prayer tents. People are re-engaging with God. There's light in the midst of the darkness. You got Emory and Clara Laszlo, and they're amongst people that now are without jobs. Inflation's making things unaffordable. They're trying to make a difference there. But they've seen how God's used this to draw people to him, not away from him. There's light in the midst of the darkness. How do you see light in the midst of your darkness? How do we see light in the midst of the darkness of things going on here? Well, here's a couple ways that we can be effective as we think about a nation that we can try to pour out God's love and light. Uh, here's a couple different ways. One is this. Uh, we have an Advent tree ornament. 
some of us that want to bring some action to this. Uh, the Advent tree out there is our way of just hanging these ornaments for opportunities to engage. Emery and Claire Laszlo are working with these poor, impoverished people. Uh, one of the things they need is firewood. Everything's fire. They don't just flip on a switch and cook on a gas stove. You've got like, to make a fire. So they need firewood. They need food for these people because stuff's getting too hard to get a hold of. And so you can go out there and take one of these tags and say, you know what, I'm going to buy a little less Starbucks. I'm going to buy you know, one less gift this year, and I'm going to go give some firewood and some food to some people over in Ukraine and just help be part of the light in the midst of that darkness. That's one opportunity you can do to respond. The other is just to pray. And just be faithful to pray for Ukraine. You know what's so beautiful? The Ukrainians gave us a great reminder to pray for them, especially during the season. Carol of the Bells is from Ukraine. You're going to hear that song a lot probably over the next few weeks. What would it look like? How many prayers would be prayed if every single time you heard Carol of the Bells, I heard Carol of the Bells, we prayed for Ukraine? Every time. You're in your car. I want to pray for Ukraine. Lord, I pray for peace in Ukraine. I pray that you would let the believers in Ukraine make a difference and that your light would shine in dark places. I just pray for Ukraine. How long did that take? <laughs> Every time we hear that carol of the bells, pray for Ukraine, 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 pray for Ukraine. It's weird. Awkward. <laughs> the other way is we're going to give you an ornament um, on your way out, it's a light bulb, light of the world. If you reach inside your program, you'll find a little card. Everyone look, everyone look for that card. On this card are the countries that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. You got a couple options. You know, you can just keep that card with the ornament. You know, whenever you pack it up and take it out every year. Maybe uh, and this is what I'm probably going to do. I'm going to punch a little hole in there and actually put it on the ornament. We're going to ask that you take take one ornament per home. And every time you pull that out, starting with this year, and you hang that on your tree, guess what we can do? We can pray for those nations. <laughs> so today, we're going to decorate our tree. Alan's are decorating our tree today. I'm going to hang this ornament, and we're going to pause, and we're going to pray for Ukraine. Pray as this back indicates us. And then next week, we'll look at that ornament and pray for the next nations. Next year, we're going to unpack all the ornaments. We're going to find this ornament, and we're going to put it on our tree, and we're going to pray for that nation. And we're dedicating ourselves to pray that God would do something. God would use his light in the midst of the darkness. So, Jesus, light of the world. Not just our world. The world. And let's celebrate that light. Would you pray with me? Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you that you flood your light into this world. And could, God, first we just want to say we are so grateful. God, you turn on the light. You've seen underneath our refrigerators. You've, you've seen the yuck of our life. And instead of pulsing you away from us, God, it's drawn you to us. And you came in person. Miraculous birth. Perfect life. Death on a cross is a sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Victorious resurrection to prove you were God, that you could forgive sins and make a way to heaven and a way into relationship with you. Thank you. We're grateful. And God, for anyone here today that's never place their faith or trust in that belief, in that understanding, in that relationship. They've never turned to you. May this be the moment. And if that's you here today, you can simply speak what you understand. You can say, God, I'm in darkness. I need light. I need your light. I understand for the first time that Jesus is the light and life. And I need him. Come into my life. 
I believe. Help me grow. Help me learn because I need you. I turn to you as my Savior and Lord right now. God, for anyone here that they know you, but they're not walking in you, God, would you put them back on the right path? Reroute them back to walking in you, not walking in the world, not walking in self, not walking in religion, walking in you. And God, we all pray for Ukraine right now. God, this is a nation that's full of people that you love. May you pour your spirit out upon them in a time of deep unrest and difficulty. Would you bring peace? Not just politically, would you bring peace spiritually? Would you bring peace to the homes and the hearts and the people of Ukraine? God, would you be with the Laszlo's who are on the front lines? Would you give them health and energy? Would you protect them as they try to make a difference and show your light in the midst of the darkness? We lift them up. God, we pray that same way for the gifts we're about to receive. Every gift makes a difference. Lives are changed. Light comes flooding in through our trust in you. So Lord, we give you these gifts back. We lay all this at your feet in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, the Logos, the Word. And we say all this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.